welcome to Flick the Kettle On, a podcast brought to you by igrain.com.au. Today I would like to introduce Laura Smith. We have recently welcomed Laura to the iGrain team as account manager for Central West New South Wales. Laura will be looking after our growers from Forbes up to Canamble and across to Liverpool Plains. Prior to joining the iGrain team, Laura has been working with elders in Griffith for close to four years. Today, Laura chats to Andrew Kelso about the positive market movements, particularly in new crop wheat markets this week, and factors supporting this shift, with new crop wheat bids lifting up to $7 overnight. As a grower, what should you be keeping your eye on over the coming months in the lead up to harvest to capitalise on market movement and pricing? Listen in to Laura's chat with Kelso and contact your regional account manager if you would like to hear more. Contact details can be found in our show notes. Um, thank you, Laura. Uh, look, I guess from, from right from the outset, I think it's very pleasing that we've now had some re- regionally good rainfall through central and northern New South Wales. And this is a significant turnaround for them compared to the last couple of years. So pleasing that the rainfall has fallen at the right times and even over the past week or so we've had some follow-up rain through central and northern New South Wales and I think for many of these growers they're probably uh, in as good a shape as they have been for in the last couple of years. And interestingly the Bureau of Meteorology is still suggesting better than average rainfall through the remaining parts of winter and into September. And interestingly, they're also suggesting that there's now a 50% chance of a La Nina event. So that will be the first one since 2011 and 12. And the La Nina event potentially is going to mean pretty good rainfall for uh, that central and northern New South Wales areas as we move into the spring. Time will tell whether it eventuates or not, but we are here today to chat about the grain market at the moment. So we've seen recent rain, especially through northern New South Wales. We think this has helped grow a sentiment a lot. What reports have you heard and how are the South Australia and WA crops faring up so far? In terms last year, so that's, that's encouraging if that happens. And even in Queensland, where maybe the rainfall hasn't been quite as sound as it has been further south in New South Wales, we're still hoping to see a wheat crop in the order of 1.5 million tonnes. Yeah, barley in New South Wales, hopefully the current forecasts are sitting around approximately 2 million tonnes, and that compares to about 600,000 tonnes last year. So, you know, I think uh, we won't need a lot more rain in the spring to get these crops through in New South, in New South Wales. Queensland farmers obviously would welcome another one or two rains, I think. Uh, in terms of South Australia and West Australia, look, crops are good over there in, in both of those states. Western Australia hasn't had perhaps the rainfall they would like, but they are getting regular, albeit small amounts of rain. And at this stage, you know, the crop is in reasonable shape. It's perhaps not in the best shape, but it's tracking okay. And similarly in South Australia, uh, the southern areas of South Australia, whether it's on the Air Peninsula, York Peninsula, or, or out through the Wimmera areas, they're, they're all tracking okay. Northern cropping areas in South Australia would welcome 
sort of more rainfall and, you know, unlike New South Wales, um, parts of South Australia and Victoria probably have had below average rainfall through June and July. That's a bit unusual this time of year where we tend to get the majority of our rainfall. So similarly to New South Wales, hopefully you know, the Bureau is still suggesting better than average rainfall for the latter part of winter and into spring. So you know, farmers and, and grain growers in those areas would like to see some improved rainfall as we move through August and September. So we just need to monitor that. So. Yeah, thanks very much for that insight there. As I understand, Australia will be looking at uh, an increased volume of export grain this year in line with the increased production. This could mean our domestic prices will be largely determined by the Northern Hemisphere. How are we looking at the harvest progress progression in the EU, Russia and USA? And what impact could this have on our new season pricing for our growers here? Sure. So we're right at that time in, from a northern hemisphere point of view where we're seeing harvest taking place. Uh, I'll start in the US where winter wheat is uh, what we're seeing being harvested at the moment and we're probably 60% done. Uh, and this year, we're probably seeing mixed yields and quality. So uh, we had some very cold weather early on, which had an impact in terms of freezing some of the crops, and that's flowed right through to what we're seeing now from a harvest point of view. As I say, the quality's mixed. Protein's probably a bit lower this year than previous years, and yields are quite variable. Um, spring wheat's growing. Um, and similarly with corn and soybeans in the US, this is an important uh, part of their growing cycle. Corn's pollinating at the moment. Uh, what we need there is very good uh, uh, rainfall combined with warm weather. And so far we're seeing pretty reasonable weather from a corn pollination point of view. And then in August is when soybeans pop up. So again, we need to see similar weather. But so far, things seem to be tracking okay with uh, crop developments with those crops in the US. In Europe and Russia, um, again, we're seeing harvest commence for wheat and barley. Uh, a fair bit of barley has been harvested. Wheat is probably 20 or 30% done now through much of Europe and Russia. We haven't had any updated um, figures from Russia this week. But net-net, we're seeing some lower yield outcomes through both Europe and Russia. Um, right, there has been some rainfall, but it probably hasn't fallen at the right times, and that's filtering through into lower than expected yields right at this point in time. Um, the flip side of it is that the quality looks to be pretty good through Europe and Russia, and that's actually having an impact on the availability of lower quality wheat from Russia, and that's uh, flowing through to supporting prices at the moment. So Russian farmers don't seem to be in a rush to be selling their wheat just at the moment, uh, and that's filtering through to firmer prices. So some of the major importers like Egypt and some of the other North African and Middle Eastern countries have been buying wheat over the past week. 
and the prices that they're paying are five or six dollars higher than they were ten days ago. So, uh, so whether those that improvement in prices continues, we'll just have to wait and see. The, the other interesting thing which is worth commenting on at the moment, I think, and it certainly just in the last few days has seems to have had an impact more so on wheat prices than corn and soybean prices, is um, quite a strong buying program by China. China's been very active over the past couple of weeks. They've bought some very large volumes of US corn, almost 3 million tonnes, uh, which is surprising. Also, been actively buying US wheat, um, 300 odd thousand tonnes of hard wheat, and there were reports out of the US last night that they were also showing an interest in soft wheat. They've certainly been buying European wheat, um, and there was also a story out overnight that perhaps they'd even bought some Australian wheat for December shipment. So that in addition to that, they're continuing to buy US soybeans. And you know, a lot of people are now asking the question, what's driving this strong demand from China? Because the flow on effect it has been, certainly for US wheat prices, is that US wheat prices have rallied very strongly over the past week or 10 days. So whether that strength in prices will continue, I guess will be somewhat influenced by whether the Chinese keep buying the volumes of wheat that they have been. Interestingly, it's the, the firmer prices haven't flowed through to corn or soybeans as yet, but wheat prices are very strong. So, you know, that the, this recent strength in prices certainly has the possibility of flowing into and supporting new crop Australian prices as we move towards the back end of the year on the premise that they can be sustained at current levels. Saw an increase overnight in the futures market. Do you see this having an impact on today's new crop prices? Uh, look, as I, as I just touched on, I think, um, yeah, this strength in prices is, as much as anything, been influenced by certainly the potential that the Chinese are buying uh, wheat from the US. And also, the, the funds in the US in the futures market were, had some very uh, large short positions, and there was certainly talk that they were buying that, back those positions last night. So, um, look, everything else being considered, given the market did lift 20 cents last night, you know, we should see that filter through and be reflected in in Australian new crop prices today. They, that the increase in overseas markets might directly impact on old crop values, but they should flow into new crop prices. So you would hope to see some improvement in prices in those prices today. Uh, the one counter to um, the full flow on uh, impact of the improvement in prices overseas is, is the firmer Australian dollar. We're back at 70 cents today. so as our Australian dollar firms, of course, it negates uh, higher prices domestically. But I would certainly envisage you know, seeing some lift in new crop growth bits today for new crop prices across the country. So they normally come out about lunchtime. So, and then from, you know, I think what growers have to then have to 
consider is, you know, as I keep, as we've just touched on, we're seeing um, harvest uh, take place through North America and Europe, and we're seeing some lower yields uh, or lower, lower yields than, you know, the market was perhaps thinking a few weeks ago. So if we continue to see uh, this, these firmer prices in the US, but more importantly, firmer prices in coming out of Russia and Europe, then, you know, at some point in time, that has to flow through and be reflected here in prices in Australia. So from a grower's point of view, look, I think just in the short term, you know, what they should be doing is just monitoring um, and tracking what's happening overseas. And if prices continue to lift overseas, then at some point in time, they should be reflected here domestically. So. And given that you know prices, you know, given that we're going to have exportable supplies of wheat and barley out of Australia this year, then we are going to be seeing prices reflect export parity. So um, uh, we no longer need to uh, bring grain from Western Australia or South Australia into New South Wales or Queensland uh, from this harvest. So you know, that changes the price points to some degree, but. Yeah, so what, what farmers will hopefully get is some improved prices overseas, which we're currently seeing. And I'm hoping that that will then be reflected in the prices that they'll see once, uh, they, once we get closer to harvest time. So Andrew, so going into that, where do you think this leaves current spreads for old crop? Do you think it will be a slow close for old crop pricing or do you think this will lead to a cliff face towards harvest? Uh, look, I think, um, you know, the old crop market you know, is, is reflecting tight supplies of grain through to harvest time. So, look, I think that cliff face will, well, the, the, the spread between old crop and new crop will probably hold on for a little bit longer this year just given how limited old crop supplies are. So, you know, I think anyone that's got old crop wheat, those premiums are going to hang around for the next few months. Um, in terms of which way the spread will go, well, certainly in the short, we're with the movement over the last couple of days and even last night, you know, new crop prices should firm relative to new crop, so uh, to old crop. So, you know, my, my thinking is that the spread might tighten up, but it might be... Yeah, whereas perhaps if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have thought old crop would progressively fall to new crop. But now with what's been happening over the past week or so, maybe it's new crop prices that are going to lift and that's what's going to call, allow this spread to close up. So um, as I say, the next month's important in terms of getting some clarity around what's going to happen with, the, with these new crop markets and you know, certainly what we've, what we've seen over the last... A uh, few days is positive from a new crop pricing point of view, and now we just have to hope that you know that the market holds on to the, these recent gains. So, um, if that happens, then you know growers are going to be able to probably get better prices than perhaps they were thinking only a month ago for their new crop grain once harvest arrives. So, yeah. So hopefully that does does come through. With the, um, the second wave of COVID in Australia being big news recently, what sort of flow-on effects are we seeing in the global economy and grain markets as a result of everything that's happening? 
yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Yeah, when you look at a whole range of uh, uh, events, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one. We're certainly seeing some changes in trade flows with some agricultural products. You know, obviously there's been some challenges in uh, meatworks around the world where workers have had uh, outbreaks of COVID. So uh, some some markets have been uh, limiting imports of certain meat products because of COVID outbreaks in abattoirs, whether that is in the US or even here in Australia. So China's been very circumspect about where they're buying some of their meat products from. Having said that, you know, trade flows are still occurring. Our global equity markets are back to almost pre-COVID um, levels. Uh, as we touched on before, the Australian dollar is you know, surprisingly strong at close to 70 cents. So, um, so a lot of these global economies are trying to get back on track, even whilst COVID is still clearly in existence and you know, there's this trade-off between managing uh, the virus and allowing economies to try and get back to some level of normality and you know, that's the challenge for all the politicians and, uh, and other officials around the world and they're trying to get that balance right and you know, depending on which way you want to argue that one, you know, you can say some people are doing it better than others and clearly that's the case. So um, it's, it's a challenging period of time for not only people here in Australia but from all parts of the world and I guess um, we just hope that everyone gets the right balance in terms of sorting you know, whether it's uh, the, the virus or you know, trying to get their economies and getting people back in work. So not an easy uh, challenge for all these people to manage, but let's hope they get it right for the medium to longer term. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you very much for your insight, Andrew, and comments on that. Uh, it's been very handy and hopefully it can help, help everyone out. Uh, good luck with the, the lockdown and everything down there in Victoria and stay safe. All right, Laura, thanks for your time today and good luck with um, everything as you start your journey with iGrow. Thank you very much. One of the biggest challenges our growers face is counterparty risk. Like growers, iGrain is a business found it hard to evaluate who was a sound counterparty and who wasn't. Even if a buyer passed credit checks and trade references, it didn't mean that they were immune from future problems, as we have now seen time and time again. As relationship managers between buyers and sellers, we needed to be confident in who we were dealing with, but if the worst should happen, we needed to know the grower wasn't going to lose out as a result. We have now introduced a membership option for our growers, iGrain Plus. This includes a payment insurance component as well as a number of additional features from as little as $365 a year. If you would like to find out more, please contact your regional account manager. You can find their details in our show notes.